With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., on Tuesday, May the 14th, my colleague Mark Joseph Stern and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. Hi, this is Josh Levine. I'm Slate's sports editor and the host of Slate's sports podcast, Hang Up and Listen. It's August 10th, 2016, and this is your Hang Up and Listen Olympics Extra. On Tuesday in Rio, Michael Phelps outtouched South Africa's Chad Leclo, who'd beaten him in the 200-meter butterfly four years ago in London, to reclaim his title in that event and tie Soviet-era gymnast Larissa Latinina with 14 individual gold medals in his Olympics career. Latinina won the vault, the all-around, the uneven bars, and the balance beam at the 1958 World Gymnastics Championships while four months pregnant, which is an achievement Phelps will be hard-pressed to match for several reasons. Elsewhere, the diving pool turned green, which led Great Britain's Tom Daly to remark, Erm, what happened? The answer, according to an Olympic spokesman, a proliferation of algae caused by heat and a lack of wind happened. The spokesman added that the pool should be blue again soon. And in the best event of the day, 41-year-old Geza Imre of Hungary, who won a bronze in men's epee way back at the 1996 Games in Atlanta, took on 20-year-old Sangyong Park of South Korea on the fencing pist. Imre took a 14-9 lead in the first-to-15 gold medal men's epee final, but then Park got a touch to make it 14-10, then another 14-11, 14-12, 14-13, 14-14. And this is not one of those sports where you win by two, so it was down to whoever got the last touch, the 41-year-old Hungarian or the 20-year-old Korean. Let's listen to how the match ended. Who will be the first to score a single light? Gold medal! Unbelievable! 
And now it is time to move on to the team final and women's gymnastics, wearing leotards that my colleague Katie Waldman described as old glory with arms, crossed with a mermaid's prom dress. The American women beat second place Russia by more than eight points to win their second consecutive team gold medal. When their performance was over, Simone Biles, Allie Raceman, Gabby Douglas, Lori Hernandez, and Madison Koshin waved to the crowd, huddled together, and shouted to the assembled cameras, we are the final five. That was both a tribute to their departing coach, Marta Caroli, who's retiring after the Rio Games, and an acknowledgement of the fact that the sports governing body has decreed that there will be just four women per team at the 2020 Games in Tokyo. Joining me now to discuss is Devorah Myers, an occasional Slate contributor and the author of the book, The End of the Perfect Ten, The Making and Breaking of Gymnastics' Top Score from Nadia to Now. Hey, Devorah. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Of course. It is your time. It is our time. It is America's time to celebrate the glories of these five women. After all the scores were tallied, Allie Raceman told her teammates in a private moment that NBC's cameras were eager to turn into a public moment, that they had gone 12 for 12 in their routines, that they had killed it every single time, and that it was the best meet they possibly could have had. As you've written in your book, the sport has changed so much, and the U.S. team uh, has been built to score very high under gymnastics' new code of points. So in your view, was that Olympics final performance the best a team could have possibly done in women's gymnastics circa 2016? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to be really nitpicky, there were like two wobbles on the balance beam. But <laughs> as a team performance, there were just no mistakes. There just really weren't any sort of moments where you held your breath or wondered. It was just an incredible performance start to finish. And we can go into detail on what the code of points means and what it entails and how this U.S. team has capitalized on it. But I think there is a risk and kind of overstating those technical aspects, the kind of algorithmic aspect here, and not talking about how amazing each of these individual women is as a gymnast. First of all, someone posted some interesting stats yesterday after the team finals were over, and the U.S. is not that far ahead of the other countries in terms of the difficulty, just like a couple of tenths. So really, it's not so much that they're just loading up and doing really difficult routines, though they are. China's like, I think, two tenths behind them. And China had a very different kind of performance. So it really is about how well prepared the U.S. is. And not just, you know, physically prepared, but just also they're very mentally capable of performing under pressure. I mean, we know we had assumed they were going to win and it was just this foregone conclusion, which it was. But they did much better than they had to in order to win. And I think it's a real testament to how mentally prepared they were for this competition. And that's really a hallmark of Marta Caroli, right? That she prizes consistency over anything else in her gymnasts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone like Simone Biles certainly could do more difficulty in her exercises, but why would you bother? She's already so far ahead in terms of difficulty and also she's under so much pressure. So why give her new skills to do and put pressure on her in that decisive moment to hit something new? I mean, no one on the team was doing really any more difficulty than they've shown since Olympic trials. Like, If you didn't do it at Olympic trials, you couldn't do it at the Olympics. 
there were no changes in the content of any of the gymnast program, with the exception of Lori Hernandez, who slightly downgraded her beam series because she was struggling with it. And they just decided that it was worth it to do something slightly easier, something that she was going to hit and feel confident that she could hit every single time. You don't want to have that moment in your routine where you're just like, oh man, I really hope I get this thing. (laughs) You want them to do the skills that they just feel so good doing. So as a sports fan, I think to generalize extremely broadly, it's always great to watch an absolutely all-time great team be stretched to the limit and be forced to prove its greatness and show its greatness against a tough competitor on the biggest stage. And that didn't happen here at all. As you said, they didn't have to do anything beyond what they could hit every day in practice. They didn't have to do anything special. Did that at all take away from the gold medal winning performance for you, the fact that it wasn't dramatic at all? I I try to keep the two um, sort of ideas separate. On the one hand, it was just a masterful performance and gymnastics fans and they're crying out about this new code of points will point to the fact that like, you know, you can win with the fall, but now here's a team that didn't have any fall start to finish, just hit everything. And isn't that what we want to see in general in gymnastics on the other side of that? And I don't think it detracts from the performance, but the fact that the level of women's gymnastics in other parts of the world has really fallen over the years, the United States is winning and would win against a more formidable opponents certainly too, but they're winning, but the other teams are not competing anywhere near their level anymore. When the Soviet Union was competing, they always had a strong challenge either from Romania starting in the mid-70s or East Germany before that. And now who really can challenge the United States? I mean, China tried. They got their difficulty score within two or three tenths of the United States, but it was just certainly more than they could handle judging by how they performed. And Russia was thrilled to get that silver medal. They probably thought that they were coming in there for a bronze. So no one was really trying to catch the United States. Everyone had sort of ceded defeat to them the way that in the all-around, everyone has ceded defeat to Simone Biles like three years ago. So when I was growing up and before, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, kind of what we were taught as good jingoistic American sports fans is that our gymnasts and and in other sports that that our system was different than the Soviet bloc system, than the, the Eastern European system, and that the kind of rigorous, intensive training that you would see in countries like Romania and the Soviet Union was just something that was particular to those systems. And so my question is, what has happened? Is there kind of a universal explanation for why these other countries have fallen off? And, you know, have we imported some of those methods that we heard about in the 70s? Is that a partial explanation for why our gymnasts are now so consistent? Well, I definitely think it's a partial explanation. I do think that a lot of the coaches have come over. A lot of methods have changed and softened over the years. And most of these gymnasts do live at home. Whereas if you in the 70s and 80s, the gymnasts in the former Soviet Union or in Romania did not live at home. So there's a better, for lack of a better word here, work-life balance, so to speak. <laughs> but definitely when the Corollis arrived in the United States, and it had existed a little bit before this, but it became more 
widespread was this idea of training in gymnastics. It's not a hobby. It's not an extracurricular activity. It is the main event and everything else sort of gets scheduled around it. A lot of their coaches have come over and the coaches in the former Eastern Bloc country just had a really strong, you know, almost scientific knowledge of gymnastics that didn't exist in the United States. And they brought the knowledge and they brought the methods with them. And at the same time, the other countries like have not invested in their systems the way they once did. So we've taken their coaching talent. Um, places like Romania are just so poor to begin with, with a shrinking population. And gymnastics is a pretty resource-intensive sport. And the countries that tend to do the best have pretty large populations. So they're suffering there as well. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I don't think we've imported their entire training system. I don't think it's we do it the same way they did it in the 70s and 80s. But I think there are some elements that have made the trip across the Atlantic. Yeah, and the Carolis defected from Romania in the 70s. So that is an obvious uh, point to make there. And as we've discussed, they um, and Marta in particular now have really trained these women up and got the difficulty up and got the consistency up. But a thing that I've found really frustrating with NBC's coverage, not just this year, but in the past is you know, people complain about the tape delay, right? But ideally what would happen on a tape delayed broadcast is that you would be able to add bells and whistles, show in slow motion, show where deductions are coming from. But they really don't do that at all. There's no explanation ever given that I've seen of, okay, this is where this 10th came off. This is where that 10th came off. All you really hear is Tim Daggett saying, I don't know where they found those deductions. Well, dude, you're like the guy who's supposed to be telling me where they found the deductions. Do you have any thoughts on how or or why NBC covers the gymnastics the way they do? Well, first of all, Tim Daggett knows. He was a former Olympic gold medalist. He owns a gym. His son is an elite gymnast. Um, he knows. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I don't even buy that. Of course, he knows, you know, if you talk to a judge for five minutes, and a lot of times coaches talk to judges to understand why their athletes score the way they did. So he definitely knows. I think, you know, it's something that I've encountered to some degree in writing about gymnastics is even just, you know, I only started doing writing about the sport like four or five years ago, is that there is a real assumption of either your viewership or your readership is not interested in this thing, doesn't know anything about it. And you have to make it as easy as possible. And it's especially true with NBC because, you know, it's a little easier to explain things in writing and it is in TV. There are limitations to broadcast. And I kind of miss, like, I used to do, like, those hilarious, like, we love to make fun of, like, fluff pieces that don't even exist anymore. So they're, like, just showing us snippets of the routine. They used to show more foreign competitors. They barely show anyone from other countries anymore. And they don't give us those gloriously hilarious fluff pieces. My personal feeling in terms of criticizing NBC, which is sort of every four years we do this when we watch sports like gymnastics, is that gymnastics is rating proofs for the Olympics and there's no incentive for them to do anything, to be perfectly honest. Like you, everyone wants to watch gymnastics at the Olympics. And if you're going to watch it, you're going to do it through NBC's lens because you have no other choice if you're in the United States. So I think the same criticisms were made four years ago. I made them four years ago, and I don't see how anything has changed. That's depressing, man. You, you're bu- <laughs> you're bumming me out. So I'm sorry. <laughs> last uh, question from me is Simone Biles, Ali Raceman, all of them are just incredible athletes. But there's also this performance 
component to gymnastics. You hear it in the floor exercise with the music and the makeup and the hair and the smiles. From your experience talking with these athletes, what is your sense of, do they like that aspect of it? Do they wish that the sport wasn't so performance-based and it was entirely based on the skills that they do? Where do they kind of fall on that question? It really depends on the athlete. I've spoken to some gymnasts who love it. Someone like Allie Raisin really enjoys it. I was talking to a former elite who's now a college gymnast and she hated it. <laughs> and it just really it varies. You know, it's like some girls, teenage girls like to wear makeup, some don't. For those that do, this is great. And for those that don't, it's annoying. But I've been sort of reading a lot of the criticism of these quote unquote like feminine aspects as opposed to athletic aspects. And I'm sort of a little bit confused as to why people are so dismissive of just the performance aspect and any sort of, for lack of a better word, girly touches, because I don't see how that detracts from their athleticism. Why can't they coexist? I personally don't want to watch a woman's floor exercise that looks like a men's floor exercise, because if you if you watch men's floor exercise, and it's amazing, the athleticism, but it's just like, tumble to the corner, do a cartwheel, get to another corner, you know, so I like that, at least in theory, there's this potential for performance in women's floor exercise. Not everyone does as good a job as, say, someone like Lori Hernandez with it, but I like that there's this potential to have a real performance. I don't quite understand the criticism of it. Is anyone saying that they're not athletic and they're not true athletes because they also have this dance and performance element? I don't see why they are mutually exclusive. Thank you, Devorah. Devorah Myers is an occasional Slate contributor. If you're unhappy with the granularity of the NBC coverage, you can watch her video on Slate that explains gymnastics judging in great detail. Um, and you should also check out her book, The End of the Perfect Ten, The Making and Breaking of Gymnastics' Top Score from Nadia to Now. Thanks again, Devorah. Thanks so much for having me. On August 2nd, Simone Biles tweeted a photo of herself back-to-back with an American volleyball player named David Lee. Biles, who's 19 years old, stands 4 foot 8 inches tall. She is the shortest woman on the U.S. gymnastics team. She was standing back-to-back with a man who is 6 foot 8, volleyball player, 34-year-old Lee. The duo met in the medicine room at the Athletes' Village. We all stand the same height when we are in the medicine room. David Epstein, a writer for ProPublica, and the author of the book, The Sports Gene, has a commentary for us on Simone Biles and the short Olympic gymnast. If you've watched gymnastics in Rio, you've probably noticed that the gymnasts are pretty small and that Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast probably ever, is small even compared to her American teammates. But at four foot eight, Biles is actually only slightly smaller than the average elite female gymnast. In fact, Over the last 30 years, the average elite female gymnast has shrunk from about 5 foot 3 on average to about 4 foot 9. So why are elite female gymnasts shrinking? Well, it's because the more demanding gymnastics routines have become, the bigger an advantage it is to be small. A smaller gymnast not only has a higher power to weight ratio, but they also have a lower moment of inertia. You can think of moment of inertia as essentially a measure of a body's resistance to rotating. 
The higher the moment of inertia, the harder it is to rotate the object. And larger bodies with more weight far away from the axis of rotation have a higher moment of inertia. Think about figure skaters. You've probably noticed that when figure skaters spin, when they bring their arms close into their chest, they start rotating much more rapidly. By moving their arms in, they've lessened the amount of weight that's far from the axis of rotation, and they've lowered their moment of inertia, making it easier for them to spin at high speed. So the smaller a gymnast is, the easier it is for them to rotate in the air. You may even notice that in some movements, the gymnasts tuck their legs when they start a spin or a turn in the air, specifically to lower their moment of inertia. Still, it's not really clear if elite female gymnasts are still continuing to get smaller. At some point, you might expect that being too small would have disadvantages, like making it more difficult to sprint fast enough to build up speed for the vault or for complicated floor routines. For now, it seems like 4'8 is working out just fine for Simone Biles. David Epstein is a writer for ProPublica, and he's the author of the book, The Sports Gene, Inside the Science of Extraordinary Athletic Performance. Now it is time for a quick after ball, an after ring, an after torch, an after glow. We got a suggestion on Facebook to call this a Venetius after the Rio Olympics mascot, who is, according to the official website, a mix of different Brazilian animals. You got to please everyone. His name is a tribute to the Brazilian musician Venetius de Marais. Okay, my Venetius today is about the man you will hear in the following clip. I'll tell you what, if you're not smiling right now, I don't, I don't quite get it. My cheeks are sore right now. She is just impossible to take your eyes off of. It's just so darn fun. That was Tim Daggett of NBC describing the floor exercise routine of Laurie Hernandez of the United States of America. I'm now going to read one of my favorite pieces from the Slate Olympic archives. We were kind of uh, giving Tim Daggett a little bit of the business. Here is a kind of convincing, very convincing alternate perspective. This piece is written by Brian Curtis, August 20th, 2004. The headline Tim Daggett is the Olympic spirit personified. It's become an Olympic ritual to decry NBC's sob sister TV coverage, in which the network molds every athlete into an up-by-his-bootstraps scrapper who overcame pain, adversity, poverty, and UFO abduction to grab hold of the Olympic dream. But thank heaven for Tim Daggett, one-third of NBC's gymnastics team, for refusing all such calls for impartiality. He's a shameless cheerleader and we're better for it. Daggett is the Scott Hamilton of gymnastics, the sport's most ludicrous shill. This is saying something since Olympic gymnastics has had some pretty ludicrous shills. NBC even hired Entertainment Tonight's John Tesh to work play-by-play in 1992 and 1996. His immortal line? She is quintessential bars. To my great relief, Daggett has more than filled the Tesh-sized void in the NBC booth, by shamelessly rooting for American athletes. He speaks in sugar and exclamation points. If he is unnervingly sweet, it's perhaps because his own life story is as heartwarming as a fairy tale. 
1984 Olympic Games, Daggett was the XY Mary Lou Retton, posting a perfect 10 on the high bar and morphing into a legend overnight. As Daggett's motivational speaking site puts it, then disaster struck. In 1987, he tumbled off the bars in practice and suffered nerve damage and a ruptured disc, but he struggled back the very same year. Then disaster struck. At the 1987 World Championships, Daggett crushed his tibia and fibula and severed an artery after a flubbed piked Cuervo vault. But after some operations and skin grafts, he made triumphant return number two. Tim Daggett is, quite simply, a perfect 10. Okay, now I'm just quoting from that motivational speaking site, but you get my point. If NBC's announcers want to call it down the middle in water polo, bully for them. But in gymnastics, where the contestants are 12, where after years of exhaustive training, the results are left to the whim of skeezy judges, where the coaches look like Eastern European mobsters in their twilight years, and where the routines, as Tim might say, are super difficult, give me Daggett or give me death. That was Tim Daggett as the Olympic spirit personified by Brian Curtis. We'd love your feedback on what we talked about today. You can email us at hangupatslate.com. We'll also gather links to the stories we discussed at slate.com slash hangup. Please subscribe to Hang Up and Listen on iTunes. You can find us at itunes.com slash slatepodcasts. When you're there, leave us a comment and a rating. Become a fan on Facebook at facebook.com slash hangupandlisten. Our intern is Laura Wagner. The producers of the Hang Up and Listen Olympics Extra are Afim Shapiro and Dan Bloom. The executive producer of Slate's podcast is Steve Lichtai, and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. Hang up and listen as part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Remember Ralph Metcalf, and thanks for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.